Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. I just want to welcome everyone listening online on our podcast. We're happy that you are here. So this morning we'll be talking on troublemakers and changing your environment. Have you ever been in an environment before and you're like, I don't like this. This workplace is toxic. This friendship is weird. This stalker won't leave outside of my window. And your environment can make you feel uncomfortable. And what often we do when our environment feels uncomfortable, we blame it on everything around us and we leave. We find a better environment. We have a nice honeymoon phase with that environment. And then again, it feels bad. So we get up and we move and change again. I want to encourage us this morning to be troublemakers to our toxic environments, to be troublemakers to our mundane environments, to be troublemakers with the boring and the average, that we wouldn't just sit in things and complain about them, but instead we would be a part of the solution. I love encouraging students that don't like their school to change their school. As a youth pastor, I want to be like, find a better school. Everyone go to Cedars Christian College, because that school is very polite. I've spoken in many schools, and I spoke in Cedars, and it was confusing. There were students offering me a cup of water, and I was like, this place is creeping me out. Why is no one trying to stab me? Um, I need to find a different school. But instead of just complaining about your environment, complaining about everything that you can't control, instead, there's probably one thing that you control, which is your responses to the things around you. And these things can help change your environment or uh, to stay in it. So this morning, I want to pray for us, and we'll get into this thing. I've got four points this morning to encourage us to be troublemakers to our environments, to disrupt some things. So let me pray for us this morning. I encourage you to close your eyes. No one is going to steal your wallet, probably. It doesn't matter. I'm sure you gave all your money in the offering already. Um, <laughs> God, I just thank you for the honor it is to be in your house. I pray that we're here, God. I pray we just enjoy today. Um, we're here. We might as well make that decision. We choose to enjoy your presence. We choose to enjoy each other. I pray as we come around your word right now that you encourage us, that you help us to be people that change the environment, to do something to shift things, to be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem, part of the answer. May you help us this morning to see that we have a responsibility to disrupt things. A responsibility not to just fit in, but instead to do radical things with and for you. So this morning we honor you, Jesus. Our gaze, our eyes, our attention is on you. Church without you is very, very weird. So we ask that you be in our midst. Speak to us and help us so that we may leave this place empowered to be who you've called us and graced us to be. So we honor you, Jesus. Today is all about you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't we thank Beck as she takes a seat, and that will be good. Have you ever complained about the situation you are in? Put your hand up. Oh, a few people haven't. Okay, I see that hand, Janice. I like that. That's very good. You never complained. That's good for you. 
What can often happen, as I said before, is we can find ourselves in situations and circumstances and complain and complain and complain and not realize that we actually have a part to play in changing things. So this morning, for simple points, for simple thoughts that I think things that troublemakers do, things that troublemakers are, and maybe you can be encouraged this morning if you're taking notes. I encourage you to take notes because uh, statistically, you are more likely to remember something that you wrote down, three times more likely, and you are more likely to read something you've written down down. So if you're ever going to reflect on anything that God has said, it's very hard to read notes you never took. Uh, So I encourage you to do that this morning. So four simple things on being a troublemaker. Are you ready? A troublemaker has a fascination. They are fascinated with the future. They are fascinated with the future. If I can get our first scriptures on the screen, Alan, that will be fantastic. Two scriptures here in Luke 9, verse 57 and 62. Actually, let's go back. Let's go back. Can you go back? Ignore that. That's not on the screen. Um, who's ever heard someone say, I miss the good old days? You know, the good old days before we had refrigerators, good old days before we had air conditioning in our car, or a lot of my things are dependent upon cooling things. Um, the good old days. Oh, I wish it was just like the good old days before everyone was hunched over looking at their phones and clicking things where all of my information came from an encyclopedia. I miss the good old days. I've constantly lived in this idea for a very long time that the good old days weren't that good. And what can even happen in our memories is, do you know when an event happens and you remember it once, the next time you remember it, you no longer remember that event. You remember the time you remembered it. That's how, if you come on a Sunday and hear a preacher speak, they could talk about a story and it sounds like it's not reality. It's because it's definitely not. It's because we remembered it and remembered it and remembered it. Even Nat stood up last week and shared, because Pastor James is speaking next Sunday, I'm excited. Uh, but Nat shared this moment that he had in the office with Pastor James, where Pastor James said, just don't be a rock star, Nat, just calm down. But the true story is Pastor James and Nat went in there and Pastor James said, Nat, stop being a diva. Um <laughs> But he's remembered it again and again, and now he arrives at this awesome rock star. But what can often happen in life is we can be upset or bored by the mundane, boring things, our environment around us right now, and just become focused on the past. I wish it was like this. I liked the days better before I was dumped over... Snapchat, like whatever this is for our young people, I was, uh, let me apply to people over the age of uh, 18, uh, I was dumped over written letter, um, <laughs> smoke signal or bird releasing, the bird came and on its foot it said, you're dumped and you're like, oh, now I'm going to have to go to the formal with my mom, um, homeschoolers. Um, But a troublemaker looks at their current environment and is fascinated with what could happen, what could be, what is ahead of us. If we look up to our screens now and see in Luke, um, thank you, Alan, it says, Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Isaiah 43 verse 18 says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. It springs up, do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. 
But also go to Philippians 3, if you're taking uh, notes. It says, Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. These three scriptures are referring to different things when looking forward. But I want to encourage us this morning, there's a kingdom key and a principle here that we need to be people that have our eyes fixed on what is ahead, not fixed on what could have been or what should have been or what might have been but didn't. Who should be standing with us but it's not. If we're truly going to disrupt, if we're truly going to keep on being used, if we truly want to be a part of making the future and making history, We need to fix our eyes on what is ahead. So maybe you just need to check in this morning and be like, okay, how much of my time is focused on a year ago or even a week ago or even the the bad coffee you had this morning because you got it from Coles Express and not our awesome coffee team? But I want to be someone fascinated with the future. Um, Having two small children, um, I like having crazy little four-year-old and two-year-old Jeremiah and Ellie because I constantly watch them and I learn a lot about the circumstances around me. And one of the things that I've learned from both of my kids is they have a weird fascination with everything. Like just anything going on, they'll just stop and just look at things. This morning, Ellie just went into uh, her room and just sat under a chair and just sat there for about 15 minutes. And I thought, that's fun for you, Ellie. There's a fascinate. There's just, there's something about having... <laughs> I can't wait till she does that at, I don't know, her year 10 formal. Just Well, yes, yesterday, I love doing, whenever there's holidays, I live down at Huskers, and whenever there's holidays, it's just tourist central, and they're everywhere. You can tell all the locals because they're frowning. They're like, ugh, the tourists are coming here, wrecking everything, even though our, you know, our, our whole community would break down without the finances of tourists coming into our area. Um, I hate them here. Well, they mean that you can eat and survive. Um, oh, so... Yeah, 20% of the beds in Huskisson are empty all of the time because they're tourist beds, like hotels and other things. That's fantastic. Great news. But I love going to the park and I love sitting. I have two kids. That means me and Alex aren't outnumbered yet. If you have so many kids you can't remember their names, congratulations. Um, Has anyone, who's from a larger family? Eden's putting a hand up. So what happens in larger families is let's say Paul and Michelle are getting them in trouble. And what often happens is they look at the child and they say, Benjamin, Joe, Michael, Muhammad, Eden, you're in trouble. I have two kids. I can tend to remember their names and I'll stop there because two and done, the famous saying. But I love going to the park and just watching parents parent. I was sharing with Jen and Jocko yesterday. We went to the markers with them, but I sat at the park with Jeremiah. And if you sit at a park for about 30 minutes, you are guaranteed, if you just sit at the park near the swing, you're guaranteed to see one kid swing and kick another kid. And I don't know what you find funny, but I find that funny. Um, but yesterday I watched this happen. This like nine-year-old boy, his name was actually Mustafa. It was great. I just love watching people. Uh, and he was swinging this swing and this little like maybe one and a half-year-old just walked behind and full height just kicked her. And the dad came over. He was wearing camo pants, no judgment. Um, and looked at this one and a half-year-old and said something along these lines. If I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times, watch where you're walking. And I was like, uh, what? Um, so I'm fascinated with other people. Um, perfect segue. Now, point number two. 
So let's be fascinated with what's yet to come. Let's be fascinated with what God could possibly do. Maybe you haven't arrived yet. Maybe you can keep on learning and growing. Let's be troublemakers. The second thing is this, that we are geared for greatness. Geared for greatness. We have to always be careful. If you've grown up in a small town, you know this, there is small town, small thinking. Okay, a few people like that. God's having fun over there. That's great. But what can often happen is when you're from a small town, you don't dream as big as you possibly could. And what can often happen to people from small towns is they think, oh, this town is too small for me. It's not big enough for me and everyone else. I have to go to the big city and I have to do this and I have to do that. We have to be very careful that we don't let our environment make us think small. That instead we should see the environment, the grace and the goodness of God on us and dream big. I love seeing over the last couple of weeks after our business network breakfast, these different uh, young adults dreaming about what God could possibly do through them where their attention moves from one day I'll get a 3.5% CPI increase at my work and I'll be able to get a large meal instead of a medium meal at KFC. That their attention is, God, what could you possibly do through me? It's 2019, there's a thing called the internet and maybe I could dream a little bit differently to what I'm doing. I believe that we're actually geared for great things. There's actually something on the inside of us that realizes that here is okay but I know that God has bigger things for me. And if he doesn't, maybe I should sit back and just ride it out. But if I'm still breathing, if God is still a good, faithful God, if God isn't done with me yet, then maybe there's something great that he has in front of me. So let's look up to our screen uh, as we look at a couple more scriptures when it comes to gear for greatness. All things have been created through him and for him. And Romans 12 verse 21 tells us, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. One of the important things you have to do before going on any endeavor is to define what greatness is or to define what success is or to define what the goal is, the place you actually want to arrive at. And before you do anything great, before you do anything significant, you need to stop and evaluate what the goal actually is. Otherwise, you find yourself in a place you never wanted to go and you stay there longer than you wanted to be there and you miss the greatness. So it's important for us to stop and consider for our lives individually as troublemakers to the environment around us, what is greatness? Is greatness that I'll have an extra $20? Or is, is greatness that my kids will be a little... What is the thing that I'm measuring? And there's Isaiah 1 verse 5. Uh, sorry, it's not Isaiah. Yeah, Isaiah 1 verse 16. Um, gives us an idea of some pretty cool greatness. It says, wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing them. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless and plead the case of the widows. That's a pretty cool selfless measure of greatness that I would fight for those that can't fight themselves. What an amazing, great call. That I would stand in the gap for the fatherless and the orphan. That I would wash myself of my own evil deeds and instead do the right thing. There's some things in life that are greatness, some things that we measure um, by natural standards, but there's ones that supersede. For example, um, maybe you think it's great if you can go through your life and not have any drama. Like everyone loves you. You walk into your new workplace and they're all like, take our salaries as well. I don't know if that has ever 
happened to you? Or you go on your first day at work and your boss sits down with you afterwards and says, how can I improve my business? You've been here for a day. You must know what is wrong with everything. We have these ideas that if we, and there'll be no heartache in our relationships. Um, husbands or wives in the room, you get home from work, whoever arrived home first or stayed at home, there's a fresh meal on your table. Your socks, your bed socks are ironed, ready to go um, for bed. The silk gown is ready for you to sit and enjoy your meat-free dinner if you're a vegan or if you're a Christian, your meat. Um. (laughs) But maybe greatness isn't that your life would be really easy. Maybe greatness is forgiveness. That when you go through your life, you can't control everything, but man, I can control my response to this thing. And one of the greatest things that can happen is I can be a forgiving, free person. (laughs) Maybe greatness isn't that everyone will just sit down and listen to every word you say and they're amazed by it. Maybe greatness is that you would be thoughtful. You would actually consider what someone else needs above your own. Maybe we need to just rewire again what geared for greatness actually means because you actually... You actually find your sweet spot. You actually find that that grace, that favor. The Bible, as we looked at last week, that um, that rhythm of grace. You find that when you do those kind of acts, not when you're on top. You find it in those valleys, or you find it in the mundane living where you do the right thing. Uh, I say um, sometimes uh, I say a lot to myself, and I was talking to Pastor Benai the other day that sometimes I just say to myself, "Joel, just shut up and do the right thing." Because so often I can be like, "This is happening. That's going on. What's happening here?" But I just, Joel, just shh. maybe you need shh rather than shut up. Maybe that's too intense for you, but maybe your internal dialogues are not a lot nicer. But when Joel's making the wrong decision, I yell at Joel and say, "Shut up, Joel." Um, weird experience. Um, But no, Joel, just do the right thing. Like you know what it is. You know you should forgive now. You know you should be kind now. Maybe greatness isn't that you would just always be the most powerful. There will be moments where you just have to be a little bit brave. And the option to be fearful and the option to be terrified and the option to sit down and be silent. You're just like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm geared for something more than this. I'm going to be a little bit brave. I'm going to be a little bit freaked out when I'm doing this thing. But I know it's greatness. Let's be the kind of church that realizes that that's already on the inside of you, that the Holy Spirit is already there working those things, that he created all things for him. You're great, church. Stop looking towards everything else that you could possibly be doing better. You're geared for greatness now. Say, I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. I'm so great. Number three um, is this. This morning, uh, hearing and being heard. When it comes to our environments and the things around us, there's this constant communication with you and everyone in your world, hearing and being heard. Uh, it says this, uh, I believe in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, it says, if I could speak all languages of earth and of angels, uh, the message paraphrase says the eloquence of man. So eloquence, lovely, so great. And of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If you're listening online, I have found a gong and I have found a cymbal. 
These are Joey's. If anyone has some spare money, please help him because they're cracked. Um, these are actually... Joey, can I tell you where these are from? Can I show you where these are from? Can I tell them? When Joey was single, he used to just stay at home and just worship God for breakthrough in his relationship. And this is how intense it got. Give me a lady friend. Um, that's how he prays. Semi-old English. Um, whoa, look at that. Hey. Awesome. Nailed it. Um, as the best drummer in this church, um, afterwards, stay around. We can have a drumming competition. Who reckons Mike would be an amazing drummer? Who reckons? All of them. Who reckons Alice could just really drum right now and just blow all of our minds? <laughs> please don't. Please don't. She just pulls out bongos from somewhere and is like, that, that, oh, amazing. This is what can often happen uh, when it comes to hearing and being heard. Have you ever um, been in a conversation before and all you're doing, is it, what's that um, skipping rope thing where there's two, double dutch? And it's like this. Has anyone ever done double dutch when there's two skipping ropes? And you're like. And you're always just that. Everyone remember double dutch, jump rope for hard or other things? Double Dutch is this moment of like, should I go yet? Should I go yet? Should I go yet? And sometimes that's what our conversations are like. Someone's talking when it's like, it's my turn. <laughs> and we stop listening to the other person. And even this phrase can, can get thrown out when it's our turn to speak and they go to speak again. Like, I let you speak. It's my turn to speak. That listening was never a part of the conversation, but the goal was to draw. I know you think that, but this is, are you hearing me? Well, the married couple said amen. Oh, okay. No, just me and Alex arguing at home. Okay. Honesty in church. Ooh, dodgy. Me, Jem, and Ellie have this game at the moment that we play uh, in the car, and it's overflowing to our house, which isn't the best, where on my watch it has a decibel reader, and we just scream as loud as we can in the car, and everyone takes turns. Ellie wins every time. <laughs> to the point I had this video where this week, yeah, yeah, Jeremiah was asleep at like 5.30. You can't have a nap at 5.30, otherwise Alex would be up late. Um, But he started falling asleep and I said, Ellie, wake Jem up. And she just screamed. A beautiful 125 decibel scream. And then he woke up and just screamed as well. And they're like, the game is on. Let's do this thing. But what can happen is when we're trying to speak to someone, if you've ever wondered before, like, why aren't I being heard? Like, I'm saying what I feel, but no one is listening to me. There's three reasons why someone isn't listening to you when you speak. Are you ready for them? Number one is you're communicating horribly. It's all on you. How's that feel? Good? You're not communicating or you have no actual experience. You're just like, maybe you're just a 13-year-old yelling at your parents like, you don't know what it's like to run a budget of a home. And you're like, no, I do. Like, what are you yelling about right now? Or like, your mom asks you to do the dishes and you scream at her, why do we have cutlery? We should get plastic stuff. We can just wash it, throw it out. No washing at all. We save money. And this is, what you're saying is actually wrong. Um, the second thing why um, 
no one listens to you is you're just not the right person to ever tell them. I was saying um, to our youth team on Friday night, I'm thinking through our youth ministry and we're about to finish a decade, 2019 over to 2020. At the end of the next decade, my kids will be in our youth ministry. So I'm thinking through what is the kind of youth ministry that I want as the youth pastor? What is the kind of youth ministry that I want as a dad? There's going to be a point where I and Alex will tell our kids maybe the right thing to do, but they won't want a bar of it. And we need to be the kind of parents that actually have people set up in their world to be able to help them navigate some challenges. No doubt there'll be different challenges in 2030 when, Al, uh, when Ellie is 12 than there are right now. I can't predict what that future is, but what I can do is I can maybe make sure that they're in an environment where they can struggle and fall over and people will keep on believing in them. An environment, a youth ministry that's kind, not demanding its own way, but so really specific things. Because what happens, so those two things are the reasons why someone doesn't speak to you. And the third one is this, it isn't in love. So that scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, tells us there that if we do, if we speak all the language of the earth, if we relate to people, if you have the language of angels speaking in tongues but don't have love, it would only be like a noisy gong. This can often happen in a world that is so bombarded by opinion and my truth is when someone opens their mouth, but it's not on the basis of love, all we hear is, yeah, I know you're doing that right now, but I think you should. I think that's an okay thing in your relationship, but do you know what you should do with your finances? And and what can happen is we can maybe say the right thing, be in the right place, or even be the right person. But because our foundation isn't love, it is just more noise. And we really need to stop and examine. I, I told our interns the other day, um, there was this point uh, in the first year that I was running our youth ministry that I was just frustrated. I think I said this last Sunday. I was frustrated at every single person on our team. I was just like, let's get rid of all of them. Let's find new ones. I'm done with it. Um, I remember sitting down and on my iPad, I got a photo of every single one of our leaders and I put them in one document. And I looked at all their faces looking at me. And then I drew little crosses over there. No, I didn't. Um, I sat down. I had three different colors. I think yellow, red, and green. Yellow was, I was a bit concerned, but I didn't know why. Red was, and green was, oh, they're doing great. What such a blessing. And I went through and I realized it was like, there was actually four people that were red. And I'll get them to stand up right now. No, I'm joking. Um, And I remember thinking, okay, why are these people red? And then what happened in that moment is I looked at all these judgments that I was making of the people around me, and I was just like, this isn't who I want to be. I don't want to be the kind of person that can sit back and look at someone else's life, whether they're on my team or in our church or whatever. I don't want to sit back and be like, if they just did this, if I I can run their life better than they could. And I found myself being like, okay, I need to get my heart right now because that person is doing the best that they possibly can and maybe I don't see the whole picture right now and they're struggling, the giants that are on the inside and why they're doing that thing. I found myself going from everyone has to be gone to four have to be gone and then actually, God, there's something in me that I need to stop. And were those decisions right? Maybe, but they definitely weren't in love. So I got this kind of checkup in my heart like, okay, this isn't okay. Even a couple of weeks ago um, on holidays, um, I was with Ellie down at the park uh, and a guy came up um, to us at the park and he had a little girl and he had kind of no shoes on, kind of looked a little bit messy, had a beautiful collared shirt on and steamed pants and a cloak. No, not really. Um, 
I remember looking at him and being like, okay, he looks a little bit wild. I'm sure we're going to have a conversation because I'm a little bit wild. Uh, and a conversation broke out and I was like, okay, why does he look, he looks a bit crazy. I'll find out a little bit more about it. And we started talking, uh, talked about our kids, talked about everything going on. I was like, oh, is that uh, your oldest? And he said, actually, no, I had, I had a three-year-old. And I was like, how did a three-year-old, are they split up? What's going on? He's like, oh, she had a rare form of cancer and died. And she died because uh, my partner at the time had breast cancer and she was getting chemo and uh, the baby got cancer and died at three and then my partner died. And I went from sitting there in my seat being like, why does this guy look so kind of like crazy? And then got my heart completely checked back and be like, then oh, this person matters. Up off my high horse and down being like, what was that like? And probably asked him questions that no one has ever asked him before and helped him process some things. On holidays, like this is for a holiday um, for pastors, your goal is don't see a person. Like that's your default. Like if you work at um, Bunnings, your goal is not to see a hammer on your holidays. When you're a pastor, your goal is not to see a person. Um, you just hide in a cave and you're like, Like you work at Maccas, the last thing you want to do is wake up and a fillet of fish right next to your head in the bed. Like you don't want that. Unless you're a barista and then you're like, more coffee. Um, they, they just live their life talking to you, Libby. Um, but we need to actually step back and be like, maybe I'm not being heard right now because I'm saying a lot of things and I'm even saying the right things. But I'm, what I'm not doing is I'm not moving from a place of love. Let's look at these last two scriptures uh, on this point. Uh, just to drive it home. Thanks, Alan. It says, James 1 verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, and slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I love this because it, it uh, compels us to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry angry. The actual freedom that we want isn't found in saying the right thing louder and becoming more angry at a problem and smashing our little symbol as loud as we possibly can because we know the truth and you need to hear the truth. The freedom that we desire, the godly living that we should be in is, I need to be quick to listen, slow myself right down, come back to a good point of great, greatness, which is stillness. Greatness isn't being the loudest and the most chaotic. Greatness is that moment of stillness and you're like, ah, I'm all grounded now. This is where I need to stay and this is the place. Let's be slow to speak, slow to become angry and quick to listen. Because when we actually stop and listen, not just waiting for our turn to jump in and have our goal of saying, that's when we actually learn something about a dad at a playground that was much, much more than did he have his life together. And then it allowed me, allowed me to reflect on I mean, what would I be like if I went through that circumstance? I tell you, I wouldn't be that clean. There was even a conversation I shared with our interns. I was sitting out the front of Harris Scarf because we're shopping for stuff in our new house and not everything is going to be from Kmart this time. We're going to get something that's going to last longer than three days. And my toes come through sheets and stuff. I'm 29. I'm grown up now. So we've got a, we've got a cover on our quilt, uh, on our bed. Um, You can't have it all together, church. But we're sitting outside of Harris Scarf, me and Ellie, and um, this guy was walking past. Maybe you've seen this person uh, on our streets uh, in Nara before. He had his awesome hat on. He had one headphone in, had like a 350-liter energy drink, and he was looking at his phone. And whenever, if you ever answer your phone on speaker in public, we know what you're trying to do. 
You want my attention. No one's answering their phone on speaker being like, I just want to keep this between me. And, and this is what he did. It was so great. He's walking towards me and he hit it. And I was like, there's going to be a conversation here. And he said, what? I said, like, isn't that a great way to answer your phone? We're going to start doing that at church when you call up. Libby's just going to be like, what do you want? And I could sit there and be like, oh, I'm glad I'm not that crazy, dude. I'm not going to answer. But I actually thought, I was like, I wonder if there's things in my life that I love that drama so much that I want people to hear it. It's like, that's so often me. Oh, I had a terrible sleep. What's going on? I don't do, oh, oh, my back. Oh, my. I don't want to be that. I don't want to live amplifying the drama and the chaos in my life. I want to stop. And if I looked at that guy just judging him or I looked at him and be like, oh, I see me in that. It changes your perspective because you're moving from love. And the last one before we move on to our last point um, today is this. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. There's King Solomon at the beginning of Proverbs. He's kind of like flexing why you should be really expectant in the book of Proverbs and what you're about to hear and says, let the wise listen and add to their learning. Even if you're wise, stopping and listening means you add. It's not wise versus foolish. It's you were wise today. Will you be wise tomorrow? We keep on learning. We keep on listening and let the discerning get guidance. Maybe we should all just stop a little bit longer and making sure that is the person I'm speaking to, are they being heard? Do I really get it? And often the person that you need to hear the most is the person you just palm off. It's that person at a playground. It's that person yelling into their phone in Junction Street. It's like, oh, I think I just learned something just then. I learned to be a little bit less, less judgmental. I learned something that actually I see myself in that. So let's be that church that isn't just smashing our symbols louder and wondering why no one's listening. No one's listening maybe because you're not moving out of love. And the last thing uh, is this. It's happy with the hustle. Happy with the hustle. The word hustle uh, means working hard to get something done. It means kind of like plugging away. Uh, maybe you've got a dream of starting a business or a, a thing and you're just working at it. You're going to get it. You're going to put in this extra effort. If I can get back up on keys, that'd be awesome as well. Um, Genesis shows us this. Uh, if you look at our screen, uh, Genesis 1 verse 31, this is God's God. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, and that was the sixth day. Have you ever thought about this before? Who's looked out on creation and be like, this is so beautiful? And you look out and you see a weed and you're like, what a lovely weed. <laughs> but have you ever thought this? Maybe you're going to make it different. You're going to push it here. Have you ever looked out at something in creation and be like, God, come on, you could have done a little bit better with that. For example, maybe you're uh, driving your car and you're eating a burger and you're on your phone and you're just like, God, why don't I have like a third arm that can be like steering right now? Why don't I have wheels myself? Why don't worms have a face? Why have I never seen a baby pelican? Why can't I grow hair this little patch here? And I have to, I have to get our trimmings and I have to glue it on every Sunday. 
Like, God, sometimes my hands are cold. Why don't I have fur on the palm of my hands? I was talking to some of our youth boys as we were heading up to a thing uh, last term, and I said, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Uh, Jackson was like, I, I would like to. He said, <laughs> I want to be a duck <laughs> so he could fly and so he could float on water. I was like, that's the weirdest I've ever heard. For me, my superpower would be this. One hand would have the ability to put hair anywhere on someone, and the other hand would have it removed. So I could just go up to someone and be like, oh, how you doing? That's so funny. Give him a little hair. And bald. Let's be like, oh, that's a nice little nose. Hairy nose. Just boom. I feel like the biggest power play superpower ever. Some of you want to be invisible. Go see a counselor. Uh, get free of that. That's not being invisible. That's sad. Um... I just want to be able to shapeshift into anything else but me. Okay, that's sad too. Um, most superpowers are super sad. Um, I want to fly away. Okay, you're just sad. Um, superpowers for sad people. Um, ah. But God got to the end of what he made and saw that it was very good. And you can look out with little imagination and be like, oh, oh it's so amazing, everything there. But there's infinite more possibilities that God could have done. He could have made the world a sphere instead of making it flat. <laughs> Maybe he could have made your seat with a cushion on it this morning. Not so hard. But he stopped at the end of what he said and said, that's very good. I dare say this, that God was actually happy with the hustle. He actually enjoyed the creation that took place and he actually got to the end of it and was satisfied with his work. And when it comes to being a troublemaker and changing our environment, the question is, I asked uh, some of our interns this on Monday, uh, if you weren't paid for your job, would you do it? <laughs> or are you just so desperate for that dollar that you would compromise everything to get it? Again, what have you defined as greatness? Is a part of your greatness taking what you have and bringing it to the world? Because maybe that's too big a thinking. Maybe you're like, that's not a reality and you want to bring me back down to small town, small, small thinking. But maybe just maybe God has graced you with something to add it to us and that we're better when you're you instead of being something else. Are you happy with your hustle? Could you keep on working it as a parent? Are you happy with the honor that you get? How long could you do it for? Are you waiting for someone to pat you on the back? Are you waiting for a special award for the volunteer of the month? Or are you just like, no, this is good work that I'm doing. This is a very good thing that I'm building. That that time that I'm spending with my kids or that upskilling that I'm doing in my life or that relationship and that friendship that I'm prioritizing and building time into it so that when I need a friend or when they need a friend, we've built enough relationship that we can stand not lonely and isolated, but united and together. Am I happy with the work that I'm doing? If you're volunteering in our church, how long are you willing to serve Jesus for? What does it take to take you out? Or are you just like, man, I said it last week, I just can't believe I was invited. <laughs> I know me. I don't get why God invited me to the party. I'm the weird dude in the corner with my own punch bowl drinking from it. Has anyone heard punch at home by themselves? <laughs> Never get spiked when you're by yourself. Best of both worlds. Hmm. 
Genesis shows us this amazing image of a good God doing good things and very happy with his work. Look at these last two scriptures, Alan. That'd be awesome, bro. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. It says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Last scripture. Help me out, Alan. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 22 says, So I saw that there is nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work, because that is their lot. For who can bring them to see what will happen after them? I saw there is nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work. Ecclesiastes 3 is a very, very depressing chapter. Actually results in this kind of kind of honestly hopeless moment where you won't enjoy anything but work, so enjoy work. But there's this truth in it. Like without looking back to the past, will you keep on plowing? Without looking to the left or the right, will you keep on looking forward to the future and be fascinated by what God could possibly do through you? Because you believe that there's greatness on the inside of you. And to sit down and to stay silent would be to fight war against yourself. It's like, no, I've got something to bring. I've got some encouragement to give. I'm going to make trouble for this chaotic environment right now. I'm not going to grow weary in doing good. I'm not going to overcome evil with evil. I'm going to do it with good instead. Let's be troublemakers, church. I remember a few years ago, um, we were running our CBD campus of our youth ministry. And what was happening is in our campus, uh, we had uh, guy and girl leaders, about 50-50, but the actual people coming to our service were 100% guys. There were no girls at it. Awkward, right? Because we started um, the extension through a skate park and there was no girls there. So our girls rocked up every week and were like, I guess we'll cook on the barbie because there was just no girls to join their connect groups. And I remember having this conversation with Pastor Benaya, and it was uh, specifically about Haley Scholl. Haley Scholl is a gun. She's over at a Bethel conference with them right now. But we remember having this conversation. If we could just pick Haley Scholl up and just drop her in a group of girls, she would influence and change them and be a light in the darkness. The truth is about you. If we could actually just take you and put you in the terrible environments, you can transform and change them. So the goal isn't how can we like lock ourselves into the four walls behind the new Bunnings. But how can I actually get myself in the environment enough that all the things we talked about today and the things we talked about last week, powers with your problems, searching for that sweet spot, fascinated with the future, geared for greatness, happy with the hustle, and whatever number three was today. Heard and being, hearing and being heard. That if you could just realize, no, I'm supposed to be in these things to cause some trouble. My boss is in a bad mood right now. How can I change this? My family is arguing right now. How do we come back to love? How do I not just tell them, this is not what we do as a family? And just be another bit of noise in the house. Church, you're called to great things. You're called to disrupt stuff. Please don't think you're a spectator of your circumstances another person with a narrow mentality and a narrow job. You're called to be different. You're called to be unique. So me pumping you up, that's me bringing you back to truth. 
So this morning, I'm just going to ask for every single eye to be closed. I want to finish our service this morning. We're just giving the opportunity to anyone that feels like they need to respond to Jesus. I don't want you to think about the person next to you right now, or me. I just want to think about you and God. Our services would be pretty weird uh, if we talked about Jesus, but didn't give people the opportunity to respond to Jesus. So this morning, right where you are, I just want to think about you and God. I want to give a moment if today you just feel like I need to respond to God and I need to say, actually, God, I hand over me to you. I'm putting you in control. I'm sorry for the sin and the things that separate me from you. I'm sorry that I attempt to do this journey without you. I'm sorry that I even attempt to impress you from afar when you just want relationship with me. You want me to do the right thing out of relationship, not the other way around. If that's you this morning, you feel like you need to respond, I'm going to pray with you in a moment. Or if you've walked away and you feel like, yeah, I just, I just need to get a refresher right now. I need to make this declaration again that God's in control, that I give myself over to Him. That I won't do this without Him. That all I want is Him. Just with every single eye closed, just for your own sake, for you to focus. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hand right where you are so I can pray with you this morning. Awesome. Just keep it up. Awesome. You can chuck those hands down. Is there anyone else that needs to make that choice for them this morning? Not arm twisted, not under compulsion, but you just feel like, yeah, this is a God moment for me. Awesome. Why don't you repeat this prayer um, with those people that made the decision this morning as we celebrate people coming into relationship with God. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you love me. And today I turn back to you. I turn away from my sin and I make you my Lord and Savior. Lead me, help me, and walk with me. I thank you that I'll never, ever, ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we celebrate together? If you made that decision this morning, hopefully our new Christians team saw you. They want to pray with you and help you. Make sure you head along next Sunday. Mark Maharab, uh, our new Christians course. Stay tuned for all of that stuff and what's going on there. Can I just give us just our final recap of today's message? Is that okay with you? Uh, so that we'll be changing our environment. That we'll be fascinated with the future so that we can make it, so we can make the future. Geared for greatness to not settle for less. Because once you define success, you get a choice then. Am I going to go under this? Am I going to top this? Or am I going to keep on hitting this thing again and again what success is? Define greatness. Third thing, hearing and being heard so that you can be present in the moment. Learning and growing and sharing. And fourthly, happy with the hustle so that we love the work that God has given us this morning. Why don't we stand to our feet together? We're going to do a thing that we do on Sundays. I just want to commission you. Um, pray over your week. If you're able, if there's someone next to you, why don't you put a hand on a shoulder? If your wife's here, grab a hand. So love to pray over your week. Get your hand on someone. It's okay. If you don't like public displays of affection, Preach so you don't have to touch someone. <laughs> Let me pray over your week. And as I pray right now, I just pray that you would be believing for the person. This is a moment where you believe for them. 
Troy and Tom look very comfortable up here. It's a gap here of fear. I break that gap of fear. You've been believing for their workplace and their families. God, we thank you that you are for us and that you're with us. God, I just send our church out this week to be a troublemaking church, that we would disrupt things, that we would bring your truth and your love and your life. Right now, I pray over every family, over every marriage, over every parent trying to lead their kids. I pray for wisdom this week and your guidance. We pray as we go into dark situations that you shine bright on the inside of us, shine bright like a diamond. And I pray, God, that you would move in our midst and in our workplaces, in our schools, our neighborhoods, our streets, our shopping centers, that you would be seen for who you are. We're not too afraid to step out and take the risk with you. So be with us and help us. May we walk with you every day this week. May it be encounter after encounter. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. God bless you. Stick around after the service. We love you. Peace out. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.